Welcome to Search for Meaning. I'm Yoshi Swiback. Thanks for joining me. My guest today is Romy Faye Rosen. She's a nine-year-old actor who's appeared in commercials, television, voiceover, movies, and now she is in the play Leopoldstadt on Broadway. I had the chance recently to see the show. It was extraordinary. And then to sit down afterwards and talk to Romy about her path to Broadway, about some of the powerful themes in the show and how they're experienced by a young person and about what brings her meaning in this world. Stay tuned and be inspired. I know your name because, do you know that I was at your baby naming? What? I was at your baby naming. When you were a baby and you were born, your mom and dad asked me to come and help give you your Hebrew name. How did you know you? Because if we were, if, if my brother's, Wait, did my brothers go there when they were, like, born? Yeah, well, because I went to college with your dad. Oh, so that's how we, like, know each other exactly. very well. So I met your dad in, like, 1989. You were alive? I was actually alive in 1989. Yeah, so was your dad. And so was your mom, even. And then well, we went like to college 20? together. How old did you say I was? This is me giving Romy a high five. Um, I am older than 20. I am 53. I'm older than your dad. What? Yeah, it's true. By like one year. By just one year, exactly. So but I knew- then if you went to college together, you weren't in the same year. Because if you're older than him, then you weren't in the same year. So how did you meet each other? I'm one year older, yeah. So I was just, but we were in a, a musical comedy club together called the Triangle Club. And oh yeah, my exactly. Brother, my- yeah. My daddy told me about that. Yeah. So, um, and then when your mom and dad got married, they called me and said, would you be the rabbi who officiates at our wedding? So I officiated at your parents' wedding. And then when George was born and Brooks was born and you were born, they said, can you help give our children a Hebrew name? So I met you when you and were... You named me. I met you when you were just a few weeks old. Wow. Is that crazy? Um, but... Then I learned from your mom. No, you met me before I was born, when, you, when I was in my mommy's That's family. true. That's true. So you've met me for like 10 years. So how old are you now? You're nine? Uh-huh. When Almost is your, 10. Almost 10. So yeah, so I've known you since then. Um, but then I know a few years ago, your mom and dad told me that you were singing and you were acting. Do you remember how you got started with that? How did that start? Well, I started singing since, like, I was two. I have, like, a video on my phone of a, me doing a little puppet show with a puppet, and I was singing tomorrow. I didn't really know the words, so, like, I was kind of, like, mumbling that a little bit, but it was... From like, Annie? You were singing tomorrow? From Annie, yeah. yeah. And so it was, like, I just started then, and I just kept doing it and doing it, because I loved songs. Like, so it started. With, it kind actually, of started with music. My, it kind of started with my mom because when I was a little baby and and my dad because when I was a baby, they used to sing me songs like to calm me down or to like when I was born. The first thing my dad ever did with me was hold me and sing me a song. I forgot which one, but um, that was like the first ever song I heard in my 
lifetime because it was right after I was born. Um, so like, I I heard that I'm like that's amazing. So kind of got it from them, and then I started singing, and it just carried on. Do you remember like how you? Songs. Do you remember how you learned the song from the musical Annie? Did your parents play that at well, home all the time? When I was born. Well, when I was like, that was like when I was two, but when I, like three or something like that. But when I, when I was watching a movie, I looked and I'm like, what's Annie? And they're like, oh, you're going to love this movie. So they put it on. I was watching it. I fell in love with it the first time I watched it. I like, and the first time I watched it, I knew like all the songs. I was singing a hard knock life over and over. What's your favorite song from Annie? Hard knock life. Hard knock life. No, I... I think it's almost the very end when Annie gets adopted by Daddy Warbucks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. And the sun will come out tomorrow. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So you started singing when you were really little. Yeah, when I was like, like I started singing when I was one, but I did that puppet show when I was like two. Right. Uh, and then what was your first play or musical that you remember being in after the puppet show after the puppet show i think the first one i did it was it was like a community theater with all kids yada thing it was like with all kids so i when it was like when i was five or four or something and i i auditioned for it and i got the lead elsa because it was for frozen and i got elsa so it was a musical like the older elsa right yeah and it was a musical so i like learned to let it go and then I started watching the movie so many, much more times, and then I fell in love with that and with Annie. And then I watched, like, I watched all these movies with all these songs, and I, I just started singing them all. But um, when I did Frozen, it was like like you, they put the microphones on your face, and like they had like a like a mic pack in your so around your face. It was like a professional right. kids theater thing, yeah. and they had costumes. And you know how like Elsa does that costume change in the middle of her song? Right. Well, they like had like a magnet dress over the pretty blue sparkly dress, and they pulled it from behind a door because the door was creaked open just a tiny wow. little smidgen, and they pulled it. And I like stood very still and like like grounded my feet, and they pulled it, and then the blue sparkly dress was just. Wow. There and and so it's like a whole professional thing because that's what they did, but there was a hole in the floor instead. How old were you when you were in Frozen? In uh, in Frozen, yeah. Yeah, like four. Yeah, and uh, then like when did you start doing commercials? Was that the next? Well, step? no, that was before that. I feel like that my first ever one when I, when I was like three, four, something like that. I don't know, but it was definitely before Frozen because when I did that, I was like very little i was like a wee little baby but i was like i could talk you know i was just in a family photo and then it was for like i don't remember what it was for but it kept and then i like that was fun and then i did another one i did a photo shoot with brooks because he was acting at the time i saw brooks in all these commercials and like brooks short is, films. Your, is your brother for people who are listening who might not know yeah. so you have an oldest brother is george and then brooks and yeah. then you and so brooks was doing commercials and he was yeah he yeah. was doing like um he did his short films um so i saw him in a short film i'm like that's cool i want to do what brooks does because i w went to a few of his sets because you know he's acting and i kind of took it from him i saw what he was doing i'm like i want to try that out so i auditioned 
for the Mysterious Benedict Society, which season two just came out, and I'm so excited to What's watch What's it this. called? Um, Mysterious Benedict Society. They do, like, a thing. The second season just came out a few weeks ago, but, like... It's a television series? Or? Yeah, on yeah. Disney+. Plus. Um, like, if, like, two weeks ago, maybe one yeah. week ago. And but, Brooks like, was in that, or you no, you auditioned? Um, we, I auditioned for that, for the girl, because it was during COVID. Right. Like, 2020, and... Mm, 2020? I think so. No. Like, 2019. Right. Yeah, so in like 2019, I auditioned for that because the girl was stuck in Russia. And so they had other people audition, but she came out, so nobody else got the oh, role. Oh, so she got it. Yeah, okay. she got out because, you know, it was COVID, so she was right. stuck in Russia. But, um... And then what I, about... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so, like, I auditioned for that, and I'm like, that was fun. I really enjoyed doing that self-tape. And, um, what does that mean, a self-tape? Um, it's like a thing where you, my, like my mom, we have a tripod right. to put the phone on. And my mom puts her phone on the tripod. She films the video. And we have like a green screen in the background. Like a, we have a blue screen or a gray screen, um, depending on which audition it is and depending on what clothes I wear for it. Um, but we have like a, a blue or gray screen for the background. And then... My mom films it, and I do the lines, and she does the character, other character that I'm not auditioning for, the characters, and she reads it with me, but she's not in the video. She's behind the camera, and I'm doing it. I'm doing what I w- would do if we were, like, filming it for real, but then I did that, and then I kept doing more self-tapes, and then I started with voiceovers, and I just got, I just built up to this moment with all the, and I did a few TV shows and animated shows and a lot of commercials, but it kept building up to this moment. And then now I'm on Broadway. So you're, before we get to Broadway, um, tell me about your television show on Netflix. So it's not on Netflix. What's, what show is it? Oh, Apple Plus. Apple TV Plus, yeah. Apple Plus. So Best Foot Forward is like, it was, that was like my first, like, film show, like not like an animated show. My first ever animated show. I don't know the title because it hasn't come were, out yet. Animated you were doing voiceover obviously. Yeah, for, right. yeah. so okay. um, it, one of them hasn't come out yet. They don't, we don't even know what it's called. Like you just say, oh, come over. We're gonna, we're gonna do the voice. But since animation takes a long time, then it was difficult. But for um, another animated show I did, which is called The Wing Feather Saga. It's coming out like this December. There's a trailer on YouTube. Um, so that one, they did the animation first because they already knew what the characters would look like because it's based off a book series. So they already had some animation. That's why it's coming out so soon. We filmed it just like last year. So usually it takes like four years to do an animation um, TV show, but they started it before. So you have to be really patient because you do yeah. your voiceover, but you don't get to see it or hear it no. until much later. Until but like best foot forward... Years. You filmed that about a year ago? We filmed that like last year, yeah, and we can see, and it came out like right away. I saw it. I got yeah. to see the first episode. So you play the little sister, the little sister. of the main character who. Well, there's not really. He's not really the main character. The family's technically the main characters, but he's the mainest of the. Got it. Family. And it's called Best Foot Forward because he lost in the show, he lost a leg. Yeah. And he has but best a, foot forward is also like a phrase that people say, put your best foot forward, like try your best, go out there and be yourself, you know, it's like a phrase that people say, not just because of the TV show, it's right. like a, a phrase that they start 
that people say before this TV show, but... Where did um, you film that? That was filmed in Los that Angeles? That was filmed in Los Angeles, yes. And what was that like being on a real set with... That was, like, crazy, because when we were in the house, I looked up, it was no roof. It was literally just the roof of the studio that we were doing it You're in. You're sound stage, right? On the sta- on stage, yeah. Right. And then there was, like, the house set, and there was a door, and it was like... But when you walk out the door, it's like not the outdoors it's a big like big lot with so many people but it's like not outside it's so weird but then if you keep walking straight out after the door there's a school the the, um the studio school for all the kid actors the, no, not the studio school, like the school in the show. Oh, oh, there's another yeah. set that has there's your school. Set, Got yeah, it. it's a school. Right. Well, I don't go to school. I'm the homeschool kid, but my brother is changing to public school. Right, in the show, he, the episode I saw, he really wants to go yeah, to regular Yeah, in the first episode, and then the mom gives a trial for him, so then there's the public school set. And she's worried that the kids will make fun of him because yeah. of his artificial because leg. Because of his, yeah, prosthetic. Right. So... Can you relate a little bit to that? Because you've gone to in-person school, but I, yeah, now you've also to, had some I had, kind of homeschooling. I'm doing homeschooling now, and I'm thinking about going back to public school. And then the last step, and then during the entire season, I'm thinking about doing public school because my brothers are there, and I'm like, I miss my brothers. Like, oh, like public school sounds so great. Like, I'm saying that throughout the entire first season. Um, my character is so, um, like. I'm thinking about that, and I'm also thinking about changing back to public school, so I can life. relate to yeah, in real life. So I'm, I can really relate to my character, and I can relate to the the story as well. Do you do that a lot as an actor, where you think about, well, how can I relate this to something yes, I experienced like, in my own life? Whenever I do an audition, or whenever I get a callback, or the final callback for the role, I like the actual job. I. I always think about how I can relate to this character to make it feel more real and more like I am this character. I always like feel like, hmm, do I do I like to jump rope as much as this character? Do I want do I like to play as much as this character? Do I like to write poems like this character? I always, do I or something about my like house structure or like what I do? Do I like do I have the same stuffed animals do we like the same like do we both like to play dolls do we both like to so you really think TV? about I every like, aspect of that every aspect and right. in um best foot forward they had a tree fort in their backyard and in my house in la i had a tree fort in my backyard so i think about every single thing mm-hmm. the tree forts the the house structure the so you really get the inside character. the character I, yeah i right. like I like dig deep to find what what connects us, even if it's just like the size of our room or the same. Mm-hmm. We both have two story houses, or we both have a one story house, or like anything I can find, mm-hmm. I use that. And is that something that you're? I know you have you take acting classes and voice classes yeah. and things like that. Is that part of the process that you've been learning to be an actor, or is that but, something you kind of figured out on your own? I started off just trying it out, and then I'm like, this is fun. I like this. So I kept on going. I said, can I start doing acting classes and do 
like voiceover classes and try and try to evolve to get better and to get better at this skill. So my mom signed me up for a few acting classes. I tried different ones out. I found the one I liked, which was a Goonies class, um, which was like every Wednesday. But I stopped for a little because I felt like I wanted to take a break. It was like hard to keep going, especially since of the Broadway show. I had uh, I had matinees every Wednesday. So I couldn't really do it anymore. Oh, this class is in New York. This class was about, yeah. a Zoom class. Oh, okay. So I couldn't do it anymore because I had the matinees. So I, and I can't FaceTime or even just call on the phone without FaceTime backstage um, because nobody can like see or hear what's going on. I have to text. I have to. I have to send an email. Like I can't call any like at, like. When you're backstage, you have to be quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, so let's quiet, but like they can't hear what's going on backstage. Like right. like let cuz there's like the walls aren't that soundproof, so like and the bathroom's right next to us so they could hear a toilet flush or they could hear oh, wow. um they could hear technically like anything. They could right. hear the other kids talking about something that they don't want my parents mm-hmm. to hear, my friends to hear. They could um hear the sh- the show cuz we have sure. a speaker. They so you can't see. do you can't do we both can't things call. at once. So let me ask you about Leopoldstadt, which I had the great honor of seeing the other night. And uh, listeners, when you come to New York City, you have to get tickets. You have to see it. It's it's really extraordinary and beautiful. It's written by Tom Stoppard, who is an extraordinarily talented playwright. And he's really nice. And I, I'm going to ask you about him because I know you spent some time with him. But first, I want to just ask about the process of being cast in a Broadway show, which is obviously a really big deal, and not everybody, you know, actors even get a chance to try out for a like Broadway some show. Some people wait their entire lifetime, some people yeah. who have been work, like working for like 40 years still never get into a Broadway show. How did it happen? How did you get well, the opportunity to audition? Since I've never been in a Broadway show, usually if you've the first time to your first Broadway show is really hard to get into. You have to audition. You have to go through the whole process. But sometimes, if you've already been in a Broadway show, you know you know like people who work on it. So sometimes the director will say, "Hey, come be in my other Broadway show." Because if they think you're a really good actor, then they they can they could use you in a, another Broadway show they're writing or they're directing or they're working on. They say, "Hey, come be in the Broadway show I'm working on." And I I would audition and I would like show what I can do. Um, to the other people who are working on it, and that's how you like get your momentum up Broadway. But the first but ones, the first show, they don't know you yet, because right? they don't know you, and they don't know how what your skill is, that what your talent is. Because this was one of my first Broadway auditions as well, so it was hard for them to see who I was because it was my first like Broadway where was, audition. Where was the was the audition in Los Angeles, or did you? It send wasn't in, in person. A, it was like a, in I a, sent in a self tape with my. I did it with my mom actually at my house, and then I got a call back for it, which was like. But your amazing. agent, your agent contacted you and said, "said hey, Can you read for this play?" Well, is that how it's, is that how it starts? My managers and agent, like they say, hey, they they send an email together. They say, hey, um, we want you to. My, they send it to my mom because they don't like have my email. I don't know how to reply. I don't know how to do all that stuff with them. So my mom gets the emails, they send her an email, they say, um, hey, Rumi, Rumi might be good for this role. Can you um, 
taper, and so. And they send you some part of the script. They send you. They send you the script. They mm -hmm. email it. My mom prints it out. I memorize it. We go through that whole thing, and then we tape it. But there's also a due date. So like sometime. You don't have a lot of time. Yeah, we don't right. have a lot of time. Sometimes it's a week. And did you get sometimes into a costume for it? Did you? Because your your character it's set in the early 1900s, right? It's set in like. 1899 through 1955. So, so and in Vienna. So did you, for the self-tape, did you kind of I, get dressed for the role a little bit? Well, the difficult thing for me is that I don't have that many dark clothes. I have a few, like, turtlenecks. So I used a, like, a dark red turtleneck. And then I had, I wore jeans or, like, something. And then um, I, so I got dressed in, I got dressed in that, and then I just, I had to do it all barefoot because it's in my house. And you had to do an English accent, right? Yeah, I have to do an English accent, and then um, I filmed the audition, and then a few months later, like a month, maybe a few weeks later, um, um, they say, hey, we only got a call back for the Broadway show, remember? Because sometimes it takes like a long time, sometimes we just, we just, me and my mom, we throw it away, and then when, if we get a call back, we put, we, I put it to the back of my mind, then if I get a call back, I put it to the front of my mind, put the one, and I make, it, I make it the one thing I'm focusing on unless I have another audition. I put those two things, my top two priorities, besides eat, sleep, drink. Don't no. forget to do those things. Yeah, <laughs> and shower, right. um, and brush your teeth. But like all the, like the... So that way you're not always thinking about it because as an actor you have to be patient. Yeah. And also you don't get every role you try like out the for. The Wing Feather Saga, it took like five months for them to say, hey, you got a call back. Right. So like sometimes it does that. So when you when you do the self-tape and you send it in, you try not to even think about it. Yeah. And then, But then they came back to you a couple weeks later and said, we'd like Romy to do a call back. And how did, was that another self-tape or was that like a Zoom? That was a Zoom thing. So what I did is I had an acting coach who helped me tape and who did like warm-ups with me. We played charades to get like, like you know, to see warmed what- Warmed up and ready. Warm up and ready. But sometimes we do it after. We most of the time do it after, but we we do all that stuff. Um, and we we film and then we sometimes we do callbacks together. So what we did is we went to his house, we scheduled, we went to his house, the day of the callback, I brought my computer with me, and we set it up, and in his little studio in his house, and we did the callback there, and it went great. And then, like, and so on the other side of the Zoom was was it Tom Stoppard and and some of and wait, the director no. of the play? Or For Lancelot, thought it wasn't the Zoom thing. I think that was like a a pre callback, and then or something like that, and then. Mm, Actually, no, that was a, I think that was, what I'm talking about as the animated thing. No, I, what I'm talking about straight. is, so the thing I'm talking about with my acting coach is best foot forward oh, callback, okay. but the callback for Leopold Stott was actually in New York, since the director oh, wow. was in New York, so, so you had to fly we had to, to fly in. That's cool. Sorry, I can't adjust my position. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, do um, you want to move your chair? No, it's fine. Okay. I'm comfortable. So um, you flew to New York with your we mom? We flew to New York, my, yeah, just me and my mom for like five days, and we were going to extend it to seven days um, for like a week. Maybe it was five days. It was either five days to a week, and we were going to keep it a week if I got a final callback. But we went there for the callback, and then... I did it. I did the whole thing. My mom went with me because she has to walk me there. We took a cat because we're not used to walking. And then 
um, and it was kind of far from the hotel we were staying at. So we we went there to the callback. My mom waited in the like the waiting the waiting room, and then I went in with the other kids, and we did all the thing, and we we did it. And the director um, Pat, there's director Patrick, and then the co-director Ed. That's really nice, and I miss him because he left to England, and so did Patrick, and so did Tom. I miss them all. But um, Ed was in the room. Patrick went in and out. Um, and they're the team who put it on in London in 2020. Yeah. But then they had to shut it down because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And so... And then they started it in New York. And this was all in, like, the beginning of the summer? When when did this happen? The audition was probably, like, last year. Oh, it was a while ago. Okay. Yeah. So then, how long did you have to wait before they said, Romy, you got the role? Well, what happened, we did the callback, and then we went home to the to the hotel that we were staying at. Like, home with the finger thingies. Air quotes. Air Romy's quotes. doing air quotes, okay. Yeah. Um, and then, um, so then we went back and we stayed there for like two days and then and we explored New York a little bit. We, we went out to eat like every night because we usually don't do that. My dad usually cooks, but um, we, didn't, we didn't have a kitchen there, so. And then, um, Two days later, or three days later, we got a text that said, hey, you got the final call back. But we were already starting to pack up just in case. Wow. And so we, we left a few clothes out just in case, and so it was only going to be like three more days. Um, but we started to pack up the rest of the clothes, and then um, I got the final call back. So then we went there, and I was shocked, like very, because thousands of kids like auditioned, and like a like hundred kids like 100, 200 kids got a call back and then there were only like 30 kids, maybe even 10. At the final. At the final call back. Wow. Actually, I think 30 because there's a lot of kids in the cast. Um, but like 10 for my character. But they're, like, I was shocked. I was very surprised and I was super excited. And then we went to the final call back and then when we went home to our real home in LA, um, I said, hey, guys, I got the final call back. That's why we stayed there an extra day, uh, like an extra day or two or three or whatever it was. And then um, basically I had to wait like three months and because they were still making their decision, I had to wait like three months. And every, almost every single day I asked my mom, did you hear anything? Did you hear anything? Did you hear anything about Leopoldstadt? Hello, anything? Like, I asked her every single day, and then one day I'm like, did you hear anything? And they're like, um, and she's like, um, no, but she did. But she didn't tell me that. And then I went to school. Because I, I changed to public school just to try it for the end of the year. Um, so, I went to school. In, right, um, like a few minutes after I asked her. After school, my um, mom picked me up and she said, hey, you have a Pfizer callback. I already sh- I already did the Pfizer commercial. It's coming out like this week or something, maybe next week, like really soon. Um, but they said, you have like a, fi- a Pfizer callback for like, an- like another commercial, like a sequel thing. Um, but it wasn't the Pfizer thing. I went, I didn't know that though. 
I'm like, oh, cool, um, another Pfizer thing. That's all going to be awesome. I can get back together with my fake sister, Piper. Um, that's her real name. But She was in the commercial with you? She was in the right. commercial with me. And then we, we um, went home. And she said, oh, you have a meeting for that. I forgot to tell you, you have a meeting for that today, like right now. So I got into the meeting. It was like I, on Zoom, you got on, on Zoom. Zoom yeah. yeah. And I was surprised because there was my managers and agents and a person so I you, didn't know. So you knew this was a big deal. Something and big I'm up. like, what's going on? And they're like, Romy, we have something big to tell you. And then they told me that I got the role for Leia Pushdot. And I was like doing snow angels on the floor. I was like dancing. I was like so happy. And then I was like speechless, you know, because like it was a big You thing. were speechless? I was speechless. Oh my gosh. Crazy. <laughs> so that was so exciting. Yeah. And then. Um, the guy I didn't know was actually my Broadway agent. Oh, because you had to get a new agent. Yeah, because yeah. I didn't have a Broadway agent before because I wasn't on Broadway before. Right. So. So your LA agents who do television and commercials and movies, they have a colleague who's a Broadway agent who helps you navigate all of this. Now, how long from that period till when you started rehearsing and had to come to New York and get busy with the play? A couple of months? Well, they gave us a few months notice because we were in LA. We had to go all the way across the country to New York. Um, so what we did is since we had a few months notice, we were like, okay, we have to, we have to figure out where we're going to stay first of all, but while they were figuring out where we're going to stay and who we're going to lease our house out to for, um, like a year or two. It's a big deal. The whole family um, yeah, moved. Um, we had to start packing. So like, as soon as I heard it, I went to my room, I started packing up my books and then chose with stuffed animals. I was like, so excited. And then, um... My mom was like drew a half little a little half mile radius around the theater, and then she found um, this apartment that we're in right now. Um, and then we, and then a few weeks after, maybe like a, a few weeks after, no, actually a few days after I got I got to New York on on, on August second with my dad the rehearsal started but it was difficult to find somebody to lease the house to we found someone but it turned out that they didn't want it and then there was a whole thing but your house back in la so yeah. um, and then we found like and you found really, this awesome apartment yeah. in new york so let me ask you Should about the here? let me ask you the process of preparing for your role in leopoldstadt um so it's a very powerful play yeah. based on Tom Stoppard's real life. Yeah. And obviously also based on the real lives of many of Jewish his family families. In his family, but I'm just saying more broadly, that story is a story that so many Jews experienced tragically. Like and you're like only my ancestors, like from like very long 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 ago. Members of your own family. Yeah, like yeah. very, very long ago. Um they experienced that too. Like they. So what did you, as you were preparing for the role, you're only nine years old yeah. and some of the stories about 
what happened during World War II and the Holocaust, you know, they're mm-hmm. very disturbing. Mm-hmm. How did you, what was your process of preparing and, and learning that? Because, you know, well, it's important I to get inside the role, but you yeah. also want to do it in a I way I didn't that, know it was about the Holocaust when I got the role, because I didn't audition for the scary getting kicked out of our house part. I auditioned for the happy girl and during Christmas part. At, at the, the beginning first, of the, the show, beginning of the it takes show. place near Christmas Eve, yeah. and even though it's a Jewish family, like, they, were, on Christmas Eve. they were kind of an, a, they were an assimilated Jewish family, and they had a Christmas tree. In yeah, because they had like some Christians, um, but one person says he's Protestant and hmm. not, um, not, not not Catholic. Oh, yeah. And your character, what's the name of your character? Sally. But I also play Mimi. Mimi's the one who gets kicked out of her home. Sally's the one who has fun at Seder and Christmas. So Sally, that is set in 1899 at the very beginning. And 1900. And 1900. And then you come back in the play later. Well, um, that's not me. In 19, every day. 1939, Eight. 38. Yeah, um, so, but that's not me because so every. You're, you're double yeah, cast. Right? I'm double cast. So. What happens is I don't play two characters in one night. I play one character. So tonight I'm playing Sally. So I do... The first half. The first half. And then 1924 happens where there's no kids. It's like the fake little baby. Right. Um, with, but that's Nathan. Um, which is actually the same baby as, Nell, as baby Nelly. Like they use the same prop. But, which is cool. Hmm. I held the baby. It's like a real baby. Feels like a real baby. Yeah. It's not. And then they have a sound effect, so you hear the baby crying. Yeah. Yeah. But how but many like, kids are in the show each night? There's like six well, or seven of you? Each night. So what I was saying was, I'm Sally tonight, but then tomorrow, matinee, I'm going to be Mimi. And then tomorrow evening, I'm going to be Sally. And then Sunday, matinee, I'm going to be Mimi again. So I like go back so you really and forth have to, and like. Yeah, keep it straight. I have to balance it out. Right. Like, Why do they do it that way? Why not have you do both? Is there a limit well, to how much you're allowed to do? No. Actually, that's how they did it before. But they wanted the kids to look different. Because if it was the same kids um, doing two different generations, they would think it's the same kids, like the actual same people. But it's not because our characters turn into adults. And the person who's reading the storybook to Mimi and Bella in 1938 is me in 1899 and 1900 that's pretty cool but since it would look i would look like i'm still sally in 1938 but i'm not it would be confusing right so it's confusing yeah you can tell it's not myself um so but if it's different kids um you can tell that it's a different generation it's like it's not the same right so how did you learn about the heavy part of the show well i didn't actually at the beginning I didn't know it was about the Holocaust because I didn't do the audition for that part. So what happened is we did the rehearsals and I'm like, I didn't know there was this was part of the show. I asked my mom about it. She taught me. I looked at the script. I learned about it and um, I read the the Nazis parts in the, sh- the in the script. And I met him. He's actually very nice in real life, but he he's has scary to in, the, in the play. He's very scary. Yeah, because he comes into your family home and and starts yelling. And he him. he terrorizes everybody. I mean, yeah. it's awful. I saw him when we waited for you after the show by the stage door, and I saw him walk out. And it took kind of for a second. I felt that because I recognized him, and of course I knew he's an actor playing a role. 
but there was a moment when I saw him and I kind of almost tensed up a little bit. Had, had you learned much about this, the story of what happened at that time before, or was this well, all kind of new to you? I kind of already knew about it because before we started rehearsals, I had this book about the Holocaust because my mom and my dad wanted me to learn about the family history because I was getting to that age. I was getting around like nine and 10, which is where right. I should learn about my family history, even though it's a dark, Your own dark family. past. Right. Um, they wanted me to know what went on like back then. So I had this book about the Holocaust, about some children in the Holocaust. But written for a young person. But like yeah, yeah, written for me. And it was like about like, it was terrible but I understood it. And then when this show it cap started happening and I, I understood it more than I would if I didn't read the book. Mm-hmm. Do you remember how that felt to learn that part of your own family history and part of your own identity includes this heaviness and darkness? What did that feel like? Well, at first I didn't really understand it. I didn't really understand what it meant I went over it with my mom and she explained it more because I some of the words were a bit confusing like I didn't even know what the Holocaust was I didn't even know a Holocaust was a thing um but we started talking about it and we went over it and it it was sad I cried a few times when I read the book because it was it's terrible um, and Frank, I think. She was a kid during the time. And there's Brain Pop Jr., which is like a thing where kids can learn. And they watch videos about, so I watched one about, oops, I touched the cord. That's okay. So it might be a little bit muffled, but I. Um, so you watched a video about I did Anne one Frank. about right. Rosa Parks, and then I saw, and I went to school, and um, there was Anne Frank. And so. They said, okay, everybody, we're gonna learn about Anne Frank. In your in your in elementary my, school. In my um yeah. Um I think it was homeschooled then though. Oh, okay. Um, but they like actually I don't think they said, okay, we're gonna learn about Anne Frank. I think I just went on Brain Pop Junior. I wanted to learn about a few um historic people. I think I wanted to learn about the guy who discovered gravity. But, Isaac Newton. We yeah. were just talking about him before we started mm-hmm. recording. So, but, so you started to learn more about this. Mm-hmm. And Anne Frank's such an interesting. Yeah, and then I got the diary age. of Anne Frank, yeah. like you know, like the one where it shows her right. what she wrote. Somebody like put it in from her handwriting and from like I forgot. What. Did you actually read the book? I I'm in the middle of reading it. Oh wow. Um, I think it got I think it put got put into storage. So I can't read it because mm-hmm. you know it's like a like an important book. Right. Um, and then I also have like a graphic novel version of it because I love graphic novels. But of the Diary of Anne Frank? Yeah. yeah. Well, like, yeah. But like mm. more of like the story of Anne Frank. Right, right. Like of... So it's a graphic like, novel that tells yeah. her story, right? Mm-hmm. So and you really started to learn a I lot learned, about this. Right. I learned about... I learned in the video of Brain Pop Jr. Um, I learned that she had to be very quiet like her glass fell on the floor or something like that or like a cup fell on the floor because she was hiding in the attic yeah she was hiding in the attic and 
it made a noise. And in the video, there are people underneath her, because, you know. Sure. Yeah, so there are people, like, underneath her little attic places she was hiding. And they're like, oh, it must be the pipes. Right. So she got very lucky at that moment. But then there were these two people who were out in the open because they were, like, not Jewish. And they were helping them. They wanted them to stay alive. They didn't like what was going on, even though they weren't Jewish. So they, they were helping them. They were bringing them food and water and, um, and like, all the stuff that they needed. They were bringing them, like, buckets to, you know, like, use if they're cooking or, like... Right. They risked their own lives to keep them alive. Yeah. yeah. Tell me about when you met Tom Stoppard. Oh, that was... And I know you that guys, really cool. you got to spend a lot of time with him. Yeah. What, was, the, what was that like? That was interesting. We didn't get to spend that much time because during the breaks, I only got to see him for like five, five seconds. What did they tell you about him? Did they say he's the writer and he's a really famous well, writer? Or did you already know a lot mom, about him? I didn't actually know if he was, I didn't know what who was Tom Stopper? I didn't know Tom Stopper was like a genius playwright. I didn't even know who Tom Stopper was before this. Um, and the, like the same thing with Elvis. I didn't know who Elvis was. Then I watched the movie and I was like, "Well, that's interesting." Um, but like that happens with a lot of people. Like I don't know who they are. I I see them. My mom tells me about them. My dad tells me about them. My brothers tell me about them. I watch a movie about them. And I know who they are, but. When, when I met him, I was like, hi, Tom. Because, you know, since we were in the same show, I thought it would be appropriate to call him Tom. He's like, oh, hi, who, and who are you? I'm like, I'm Romy, I play Sally and Mimi. But basically, it was... And he was friendly when you met really him? He really friendly. Right. He's really nice. He's not... He's kind of, he's not that serious, but he's kind of serious because of the, the, his story, right. you know? Like and this is the first time he's really him. told his, his personal story, his, mm-hmm. his own story of his family. Mm-hmm. Um, now, your British accent, you told me the other day when I was asking you about this, that you had a dialect coach. Um, yeah, I had they, a dialect coach. Did he give coach. you any tips on how to speak? Because he speaks with a British accent, of course. Well, b- No. Did the director but, tell you, like, ooh, your British accent is... No, because they, they, work they on had a dialect person there who had... Who they have an American accent, but um, they helped us. They helped you with it. Oh, well, all the kids and the adults as well. Yeah. Are um, some of the adults British? Some of the adults are British. Um, one of them is from England and in the England cast, but... She's not British. She just lived in England. Oh. She lived there for like 20 years, but she was born like in America. What's one of your lines as Sally? So we can, can you, do you mind doing a line in your British accent? Or does it take you a while to kind of get your accent going? No, I can just do it like, okay. like that. So what's, do you mind sharing one of your lines? Um, sure. So at the Christmas, I say, the snowflakes have to go on loss because there's like a snowflake ornament that, that, I that Sally things has to go on last. Right. But um, I say the snowflakes have to go on last. Who and puts then as Sally during the Seder? I say, um, 
because you know how the like the youngest usually hides the matzah. Right. So me and Rosa, the other yeah, girl, the, in the Viennese tradition, um, I learned that in the play that they would have because a lot of times in American seders, the oldest person will yeah, hide the or matzah. Yeah, like the leader. But in in Vienna, apparently the the, the child would hide the matzah. So is that you who's, who hides it? No. Because Sally's because the, Sally and Rosa are twins. Oh, but Rosa's, a Rosa's younger by a few seconds, and that's where my line is. So Eva says, bad luck, Sally, because, you know, I didn't get to hide the matzah, and I've always wanted to, but I can, can never because she's... So I say, she's younger by this much. Next year, I'm going to be younger. Uh, I mean, that got a big laugh. Yeah, it that is. It laugh. always does. That's a, that's a very... Um, one of those uh, Tom Stoppard lines. lines where it takes you a second, you know. Um, so, and then who puts the, because one of the things that happens at the beginning is one of the children puts a Jewish star on top of the... the star of David on top of the Christmas tree. Which one is that? Who does that? That's Jacob. Jacob's like eight, and then Sally and Rosa are seven. That's right. why Rosa hides the matzah, not Jacob. Right. And, but, uh, and then the parents tell him not to put the Jewish star And then star his, on top. yeah, his mom's like, that's a beautiful star, darling. But it's not the star put at the top of our Christmas tree because, you know... It's not. Right. Yeah. And then Drew, who plays Pally, um, he he says, I'll find it. I'll find the real one. I know which one it is. So he gets it, and then he puts the real one on. Mm-hmm. Did, did they explain to you a little bit about why there was a Christmas tree in, in the apartment and what that symbolizes for this family? In terms of helping us understand the, well, the who didn't the family was, tell me, and they didn't really explain it, but I kind of understand it because, like, the family is like Jewish, but then people in it are like Catholic. Not at, like for like, Gretel. Gretel, she's right. Catholic, and then so you know how usually like the mom's um, religion is the child's religion, so. Jacob had to get baptized since Herman is Jewish, since he's the son of Amelia, and Amelia's Jewish. So Herman and Jacob both had to get baptized. So um, you learn that these families, and this is a little bit about Tom Stoppard's family, mm-hmm. they were very assimilated Jews, so they dressed like other Austrians dressed, and they spoke German, and they participated in Austrian society. And that's yeah, one and of the themes of the show is that in Vienna, there were so many Jews who contributed to culture. Me, what surprised me a lot was since, you know, they're, they're Jewish, but back then, Jews weren't treated equally like with the other people, with like um, people who aren't Jews. And what surprises me is that the, the family in 1899 and 1900 are rich. They're like a rich family, but they're treated differently. So like it confused me a little bit and I understood what it meant. Like, cause then I understood back then they weren't treated as much differently than they were in 1938, which was when we were sitting on suitcases instead of chairs because we didn't have that many chairs. We, um, we were, our mom had to work at the library to get free books. 
so she worked at the library, and then that's how we got the storybook that we're reading in 1938, because she's a librarian, that's how we got the books, because we weren't doing right. well in 1938. But so the, one a of the lot things, changed for the family. Mm-hmm. And one of the things in for 1938, when the civilian, who's the Nazis, we call him a civilian, that's what he's called, because of the kids, mm-hmm. like the little, little kids, like the Heinies. Right. Like six and seven. Heine is the character played by the the youngest boy. Yeah, who's like, like five six, years old. Six right? or seven, but he's tra- supposed to play four. Right. But and that's why he only has like one line, which is Heine, because somebody asks, "Who are you?" So he says right. Heine. But um, so we call him a civilian because the little Heines. Right. But the civilian um, says, "Closer, you're not a Jew. What are you hanging about for?" Because Ernst Closer. You're not a Jew. What are you right. even about for? And so he says, I'm family, Harry right. Doctor. Because in the family there are there are Jews and there are non Jews. Yeah, so he's like he's like laughing about that, like that's that's what that's right. not supposed that's not how it works. You're not supposed to be in this family. But they did put him in the in a like a camp, like mm-hmm. a concentration camp with the family because he turned into a Jew because the mom's religion was Jewish. Right. So it's like right. he had to turn into a Jew. That's why he got put into the concentration right. camp. He actually, I think he chose to be put there with his family instead of not going there but being separated. And the ending of the play, I know that, uh, so listener, if you're planning on going to see it and you don't want to know about how it ends, don't listen to this, fast forward. But um, unfortunately... One of the things that makes the play so powerful is that as you're watching these things unfold and it tells you, you know, this is 1938, watching it, you know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen to every individual character. Some might survive, some might be killed, but you know what happens in general and you know how tragic the story is. And even when some characters say, oh, this will pass, you know, it'll get better, you know it's not going to pass, it's not going to get better, it's actually going to get a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you're on stage on the nights that you play, uh, what's the, what's the character that you play in the second half of the show? In the second half, it's Mimi. Mimi. So when you're playing Mimi, you're on stage at the very end when they explain what happens to every character. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really powerful at the end because you hear these characters that you've come to love and know over the course of two hours, you find out what happens to each and every one of them and like not surprisingly how, but, most of it is pretty tragic right yeah like how um, but the first one it warms you up amelia died in her own bed which is good you know it's good the, the best way to die is sleeping right in your bed so they that's that they start with the the oldest but the most peaceful right um amelia but then died it gets in her really, own bed and then, then it gets really sad herman suicide Right. Jacob a suicide, Gretel brain tumor, um, Vilma in nineteen thirty eight. If you haven't seen this, you shouldn't. Yes. Yeah, fast end. forward. Pause. Pause. Fast forward. Do something that's not. Listen to this if you haven't seen it yet. But um, in nineteen thirty eight. Um, you were saying about Vilma. Yeah, Velma Ernst takes, he's like a doctor, and the thing, you know, the thing with the shot, with the... He gives her a shot, right? He gives her a shot and kills her, because she, so, because Herman says you have to let Velma go, Ernst. 
Right. So he does that. Um, it's very sad, but that's why she says. Um, so Leo Leonard, um, at the end says he's asking how everybody died. And Leo he's, is basically Tom Stoppard. Yeah. He's the Leonard Tom Stoppard character. Leonard is like right? based off of Tom Stoppard. Um, but when he's he's reading a family tree to say to see who how everybody died, he's not saying Rosa, Nathan, or. Leo, because they're the three survivors. Right. Yeah. Um, but when he says Vilma, I mean, he says Wilma, it's she Vilma. She corrects him, right? She corrects right. him saying Vilma. And then Nathan shakes and said, no, don't, don't say it. It's terrible. So she just said she died. Right. But she actually didn't just die. She got put down by Ernst because... Right. He she didn't was, want her to, no, suffer, to suffer, right? And go to the a medical right. um, hospital because she needed a physical one, right? So, and then many of the other characters were killed in the concentration it, camps. And Eva was killed, not killed, but Eva died, like on train to transport her to the concentration, mm -hmm. but she was old and she couldn't handle the. The, right. the train, so she just died. In so the train. what? Do you, so what do you do? I mean, you're you're a young person who knows. I actually think ten years old is you know that's around the age that people should be learning mm -hmm. about this in a way that's yeah. age appropriate. You don't have to have all the details yet. Um, but what do you do? Because I'm sure there are nights you're out there on the stage. Eight, you do eight performances a week. Yeah. And so you hear this dialogue. And you know, you probably know every line in the play. I do. Everybody's play, right? So you know this incredible play by heart. And mm -hmm. all, of, all the lines, including the lines of the uh, actor who plays the, the Nazi and, you know, what happens at the very end. Mm -hmm. So that's very heavy. And at the same time, I saw you after the show with, with one of your castmates and you guys were dancing and laughing, and, which I thought was so good because I don't want you to have to carry around that heaviness you all the time. You were doing like a K-pop dance. You were doing your K-pop dance, yeah. So how do you how do you do that? Because you have to kind of switch back and forth. You know, you're in the role and you're playing that and there's well, that heaviness, but you also know that that's not your life today, but you also know that like mm -hmm. these things really happen. This isn't yeah. like Frozen where you can say, oh, that's all pretend and make-believe. Like this isn't pretend and make-believe. This is, this happened. How do, you, how do you deal with that as a young person? Well... I think about how people actually did experience this and what actually went on. I I feel like like I understand and sometimes I even cry about it because it's such a sad story and my ancestors from past they experienced this. So I mean what happens is we have like little inside jokes about the play with our characters. We say, you know, how young Sally, we say young salad. <laughs> we have like little nicknames for our characters. And for Mimi, we do Mimi, 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 Mimi. And then for Rosa, we do Rosa close to find a place to hide it with the matzah. And with Bella, we do young Bella, Beller. We do like young Beller. <laughs> so like that's fun, but... So we have. So the little, four of you are backstage, and so yeah, you can kind of help each other. We have little moments to. We have little moments to keep ourselves happy, because mm -hmm. if we didn't have those little things to 
keep us up and happy, like video games that we play together, or we do rainbow loom or make bracelets or play games, we would just be sad. Is there someone there to make sure you? Is there someone there to make sure you don't miss your entrance? Yeah, because so it'd be easy to forget sometimes. Three child guardians. Sometimes we have an extra one, like a training one, who's training just in case somebody's out with COVID or sick or anything. Um, and so we have Lauren, who's like the head, who goes, Lauren's like the one, like the head guardian. Todd is the one who just stays in the boys' dressing room. And Rachel is the girls' dressing room. Um, and so they're there every night just to help you. Yeah, make sure they, you... and they, so Todd doesn't do the cue stuff. Lauren and Rachel go backstage with the kids to make sure they go on go on stage at the exact same time. Has anyone ever missed an entrance or anything like that? No. Yeah, that'd be. But bad. somebody went on stage with a mask once. Why so, did they have a mask on? Um, because backstage we wear a mask and then we have little like things that we put our masks. Oh, in. oh, you mean a uh, a face mask? A face mask. Oh, yeah. okay, I got it. Okay, so for someone, COVID and everything. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so someone forgot to take their face so, mask off. So no. They had it on their chin, uh, and it was Grandma Amelia. Oh, that's her name's funny. her real name is Betsy, but she just she forgot. had her mask on, and Did she went on stage. Oh, and, no. and she's like, you know how at the end she's like, Rosa, did you eat it? You can tell Grandma um, with the monster because she lost it, right. <laughs> which I kind of find funny. Right. Um, but Rosa, did you eat it? You can tell Grandma. That's funny. And so when she when she did that, she's like, Rosa, did you eat it? And then she quickly took it off her chin. Did you tell Grandma? Oh, and can you, you can tell Grandma. Um, then she like tucks it in her sleeve. So the audience might not have even really noticed. No, no. I right. like some people were they right. were there that night. Have you ever had a thing happen? Sometimes they tell stories about you know someone in the audience. Something happens mm-hmm. in the audience. Have you did, did, did was there ever a funny thing that happened with someone in the audience or like someone super famous who came to see your show? Actually, we've had a few famous people, like. I saw Steven Spielberg was there. Did you get to meet, did they go backstage and meet you guys? No. No, nobody's allowed backstage, not even our parents. Because of COVID restrictions? Because of COVID and because it's like very small space. Right. Um, the stairwells aren't that big. I will tell you, when I was sitting in the audience, a, a fire truck came by on the night of your show. That they must have come right down Forty Eighth Street because it was really loud. It was like right outside. Yeah, you know what? Um, my dad, like on opening or something, one day when my dad came, there was a siren. He's like, "Is that the Nazis coming, or is that just outside?" Like some people might think it's in the Hard actual, play, right? yeah, like the Nazis coming. But it's but not. But you can actually hear it. And because uh, we know, I know, because like sometimes it happens at different times of the play. So but, what's... Um, sorry to no, interrupt. Go ahead. But um, when, like sometimes once there was something funny that happened, we were doing the show and the, at the beginning, you know how it says, um, please take this opportunity to turn off your cell phones, alarms, or any other noise-making electronic devices now. Somebody's phone rang. Right then. And... No, no, somebody's phone rang, like, in the middle of the show. I think they forgot to turn it off. I mean, oh, maybe no. they didn't figure out how. Maybe they couldn't find their phone. And it kept ringing. And since it was, like, you know, dark and right. um, the audience, they, they couldn't find their phone. And so it just kept ringing, 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 and finally it stopped. But everybody just kept doing the you play with their phone right. ring. And I was in the scene with it. You have to stay focused. 
even though. Mm -hmm. So let me first, Romy, I want to thank you for all the time that you gave me today. I really appreciate it. And I really, really got so much out of the play. And I just want you to know that I think what you're doing is important, not just engaging and entertaining and those kinds of things, because we, we go to the theater to be entertained and to mm -hmm. learn and to grow and also to escape a little bit. But mm -hmm. this is an important play that yeah. teaches a really important lesson. Unfortunately, a lesson that's still relevant. You know, there's a part of the play where they say, oh, these things have happened before and this too will pass. And of course, um, that's not what ends up happening. But we're mm -hmm. in this moment right now uh, in the last couple of weeks where there's been lots of conversations about anti-Semitism and celebrities and sports figures and things like that. And so I think the fact that you're not just having this exciting moment, and I'm excited for you and for your family because I've known you since before you were born, but it's very important what you're doing. And I just want to say how proud I am of you, not just that you're on Broadway, which is amazing, but that you're part of this really, really important story. Um, so, but I just want to end with something kind of fun. So tell me what one of your next things you're thinking about right now. Obviously you're in this play, but mm -hmm. what's something else that you're thinking of that would be fun, either in your acting career or your music career or just in life? What's something kind of fun going on right now that, that you're sort of excited about? Well, I'm excited for more auditions to come in because I haven't been getting a lot lately. <laughs> But what I'm really excited about is to spend family time with my family and go out and like, I'm really excited for Mondays. Because that's your only day off, right? Yeah. But we also get like the rest, of, we get like the afternoons free on like every day except for Wednesday, Saturday and Sunday. And then on Sunday, we get from like 5 p.m. to the end of the day. And we also get from like the morning to like 12 p.m because then I have to go. Like, yeah, like to like 12 p.m. And at 12 p.m. I have to like zip right out of the house because we have to get there by 12.15 on Sundays. And well, luckily, it's not a very far walk. It's only, yeah, it's only takes like you about five minutes. 15. 15. That's, That's why bad. we leave at like 12. Right. If you want to get there at 12.15 because I'm very slow. So walking. your show tonight is, um, when do you have to go to get ready for your show tonight? Tonight? Tonight's 7 o'clock show, right? Tonight is a 7 o'clock show, so they always have us get there 45 minutes early so we can go to hair, we can get underclothes, we can get dressed in actual costume, we can... You have to put your microphone on. The, well, what they do is we have a mic pack, which is like a belt. Right. And they put a, the transmitter in it. Um, it. There's like a little pocket where the transmitter goes in. And then there's a cord that goes in our hair. And it goes like on top of our head, but not right down our part, like right. kind of to the side. So, that so you don't see it. Yeah, and then they like flip the hair over, and then they put the mic in, and they flip it back, and then they, so the they have to like, flip it right in. It's like sticking right there, right but there. they hide it so you can't even see it. It's wow. like right here. That's cool. It's like right but it like picks up behind you say. it. Yeah, like it doesn't muffle with the hair, um, which is wow. Like I can't, I don't know how they do that. But what happens is hair puts it in, like. The guardian doesn't do it. We don't right. do it. The people at hair put it in for us. But then you and can't then, scratch your head there. We can. Like I scratch my head all the time. I'm Even where the microphone is. Yeah. Like sometimes right. I have to like use the clip that's on it, like to scratch my head if it's yeah. right where the cord is, because I always get itchy there because that's you know where the cord is. The right. cord is, and it gets itchy sometimes. But when we have to get our hair done, we have to get underclothes and actual costumes. Um, but like that's 
But you have to plan ahead because you have to have mm-hmm. dinner first and, and you have to and we have be we, all ready. We have to be all ready. We have to be dressed. We have to um, like get something, wear something that will be easy to get out of quickly. Right. Well, Romy, I want to thank you for your time, and I'm really excited to be able to um, to have been able to see the show. And I want to encourage everybody if you haven't uh, had a chance to read about the show, and definitely get tickets because most nights are sold out. So yeah, you have but to, there's also a book if you can't get to see the show. You can, and I'm sure at some point maybe there's also they'll articles do a recording online. Of, yeah, and there's also, but you should come to New York and see the show. Yeah. Maybe someday they'll come do it in LA. And I know Hopefully. that I'm going to see more of you because you're going to be in more things and um and i just want to thank you maybe in a couple of years i'll get to interview you again and we can look back and think about all the things you've done over those couple of years will you do that yeah okay okay high five Woo. well that's the podcast thank you so much for tuning in thanks to romy faye rosen for her time when you're in new york you have to go see leopoldstadt by tom stoppard it's amazing want to thank everybody who makes the podcast possible, our producer, Ryan Gorsi, our editor, Raz Husseini. Our theme music was composed by David Cates and myself and features a vocal from Josh Goldberg. Thanks so much for tuning in. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and share it with a friend. Who knows, maybe they'll like Search for Meaning too. Stay healthy, stay hopeful, stay tuned.